Turn with me to Romans 15, 1. Romans 15, 1. I can remember several people over the course of my life that kind of took me under their wing. One of those uh, was a fellow by the name of uh, David Skidmore, who was a, a youth pastor of mine uh, shortly after I was saved and took me out uh, on bus ministry. And we visited a lot of different homes, and I can remember uh, going up to homes on Saturday morning to visit, and uh, you walk up on the, on the porch, and you knock on the door, and you hear somebody say, turn the TV down. And, uh, you know, uh, and suddenly it becomes quiet as a tomb. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but uh, we had a lot of different experiences, and, but we saw a lot of people uh, began to attend church, a lot of uh, kids and, and teenagers, um, and God truly made a difference in the lives of people through that ministry. But I learned a lot about ministry through that experience. And uh, I can remember him, we'd, we'd go and we'd get a soda, and he might purchase a soda for me, and or then afterwards we might go play ping pong at his house. And, you know. But all of that was a way of his ministering to me as we ministered together and helping me learn uh, the service of the Lord. And so I think all of us need other people in our lives. Uh, we need other people to discuss God's Word with. We need other people to pray with us. We need uh, the support of Christian brothers and sisters. We need to work with each other at times and in the different ways that God leads us to. And uh, we learn from each other, we grow and are strengthened through those relationships. And uh, you'll see a lot of things in the scripture that we're going to look at tonight that are actually part of what we do in the drawing near service. But I'm not going to talk about a lot of it. Um, but what I do want to focus on are uh, three verses that talk about the one another uh, situation and the context around it and then one other that doesn't have the words one another but it has the principle there <laughs> and so we're gonna we're gonna look at those scriptures as uh, we talk about building Christ-like relationships uh, Paul is writing the Romans and he's he's uh, giving them some instruction he's just finished telling them look I don't want you to do things that will make your Christian brother stumble. And now he's going to tell you the positive side of that in chapter 15. This is what you do to build up the body of Christ, to strengthen the body of Christ. And, um, and he's going to encourage them to do these things in their relationships with each other uh, and it's even with, in their relationship with him. And so uh, we need to build these Christ-like relationships through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look with me at verse 1. Of Romans 15. <clears throat> now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us must please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even the Messiah did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement allow you to live in harmony with one another 
according to the command of Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with a united mind and voice. Therefore, accept one another, just as the Messiah also accepted you to the glory of God. For I say that the Messiah became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers. And so that Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Therefore I will praise your name among the Gentiles and will sing psalms to your name. Now skip down to verse 13. He says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with joy and with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My brothers, I myself am convinced about you that you are also full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able to instruct one another. And look with me at verse 30. He says, Now I appeal to you, brothers, this is Paul talking, through, the, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, to join with me in fervent prayers to God on my behalf. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that the gift I am bringing to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. God of peace be with you. Amen. Building Christ-like relationships. Building Christ-like relationships. How do we do that? Well, first of all, agree with one another. Agree with one another. Verse 5 says, my translation here says, Now may the God who gives endurance encouragement and encouragement allow you to live in harmony with one another. I think one translation I used to read used to say, agree with one another. Uh, some of you may have that. Uh, literally, what the original says is that you may think the same thing. So, the idea is that you have one mind on a, on a topic, right? When you disagree, you have two different minds on the topic, right? Uh, you ever get in a disagreement with your spouse or with a friend and you, hey, well, I think we ought to do this. Well, no, I think we ought to do this. And you have two different minds about the matter, right? Well, when you have, when you think the same, what is he talking about here? That we, all, we can never disagree with each other? No. What he's saying is, I want you to think the same according, verse 5, according to Christ Jesus. Now, my, my translation, uh, in the interest of trying to make things clear, says according to the command of Christ Jesus. But the word, the command, is not in the original. That's something provided for uh, clarity in translation, but they're trying to make it clear, but it's actually not in the original. The original says according to Christ Jesus. Think the same thing with one another according to Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the standard of agreement. Um, think the same thing according to Christ. So, my job is not to never have an opinion. I've had people that have taken that well. The Bible says we're supposed to agree with each other, and so this is what I think we ought to do. You need to agree with me about it. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and you know, people will do that. But that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, look, I want you to find out the heart of Christ and get in conjunction with him. 
And as you get in conjunction with him and you're on the same page that he is, you'll be on the same page with each other. And so to think the same thing. Um, my friend in Texas, Mike Fortenberry, uh, is a pastor down there. And um, his church was considering building a new building. And they took a vote. And uh, as Baptist votes usually happen, there's a few that disagree. Uh, there were actually three. And he just felt impressed of God. He said, listen, I don't, let's not take this vote tonight. Let's pray for a month and come back together and vote again. And seek the Lord on this. And so they did. And when they came back, the next time they voted and it was unanimous. Everybody had gotten on the same page. Now, that's not always possible, right? Moses had a, a group that Charles Stanley calls them the Back to Egypt Committee. I kind of like that. Uh, but, but they were consistently opposing the purposes of God. And sometimes you've got folks that are really not concerned to listen to what the Lord has to say or to get in conjunction with Him. And so you may not always be able to have that unanimous agreement uh, but this is the idea that he's going for, uh, to, to be on the same page together uh, with Christ. When you're thinking of the same thing together, uh, you can have worship of the Lord. Uh, when we come together and we share a scripture together uh, and we're thinking about the Lord and, and what that scripture says about the Lord, we're thinking about the same thing and we can respond to what Christ has said as a body of believers. Um, there might be something that God lays on your heart to share with another believer. Uh, maybe God wants to encourage them, and so you share a Bible verse, or you share maybe uh, something you read in your devotional that morning, or, or just something that God lays on your heart. And, and God uses that to help this other person get on the same page as the Lord, and it's, it's a message for them. Uh, the same thing is true for us. When we come to the church, sometimes we're thinking, okay, bless me. Uh, let me get a blessing. But, but um, sometimes what we need to be thinking is, Lord, how can I adjust to you? What can I do in my spiritual life to align myself with the will of God? And as I do that, what's going to happen is I'll get a blessing because I'll draw near to him. But I'm adjusting my life to the Lord. Now, in some cases, that may mean adjusting my life in relationship to other people. Remember when, in the first couple of verses, he talks about pleasing one another? What he's, not, he's not saying uh, you have to please everybody all the time. That's not what he's saying. Praise God, <laughs> because you can't. Um, what does he mean by that? Please one another. Well, I was looking up that word, and the original word can mean uh, something along the lines of to make adjustments in your life uh, for the sake of someone else. In other words, he says, I want you to do this to please these people in order to build them up. So in other words, he's saying, I want you to make adjustments in your life for the sake of building somebody up. Uh, one of the churches that Paul had written to had an issue with eating meat sacrificed to idols. Okay? They had a lot of these different places had all kinds of idols. The uh, sacrifices to these idols would be offered and then the meat would be sold in the marketplace. And 
those who had, who had been in that idolatrous lifestyle and were newly saved out of it had an issue with it. They considered it to be worship, to eat these, these pieces of meat. Others in the body of Christ said, well, hey, it's just a piece of wood. It's just a statue. It's not a God. It's nothing. Hey, I'm just going to eat this meat. <laughs> I'm not going to eat it as worship. I'm just going to enjoy the taste of it. And, and so there were these, these two different opinions in the church about it. But Paul said, look, you need to consider this weaker brother. And if for that weaker brother, eating that meat would, make, would be an act of worship for him, you need to, to recognize that you may need to make an adjustment in your life so that he's not tempted to sin. And so, um, you know, don't let your freedom be used to cause somebody else to stumble. And so you make that adjustment in your life so that you can build up that other person. It's having the same mind adjusting. What would Christ do? Uh, I had a professor who, uh, he said his wife was, was scolding his little boy and said, uh, what would Jesus do? He says, I don't know. He's not here. You know? and so you may not know sometimes uh, what Jesus would do. But the fact is, we can know Jesus' heart toward people. And his heart was a heart of love. What, what would love do in this circumstance with this other person? To call, would, it, would it continue to do something that, yes, we're free to do, but it might cause this other person to stumble? No. So I'm adjusting to Christ because I'm adjusting to his love, but I'm also adjusting to another person. So um, this is the idea of thinking the same thing or agreeing with one another. Uh, and it's something that we need to be sensitive to the Lord about in our lives. Um, we have different views. Uh, I, had a, I had a youth pastor who, who could not stand Santa Claus. We don't have any kids here. So I, he had, he had just, he despised it. He said, if you rearrange Santa, it spells Satan. And I mean, he, that's how strongly he felt about it. And so he'd go around and, you know, and, and you know, talk about this freely. Uh, and uh, some people kind of got crossways about it, you know. Uh, but fact of the matter is, um, he was kind of insensitive to what, what he was doing as far as making comments with other people, sometimes we need to recognize that we may need to pull the reins back a little bit. Whoa, Nelly. Uh, I'm not saying that his statements about Santa uh, are necessarily wrong, but, you know, you pull that back. Why? Because you're thinking about someone else. How will this affect someone else? Now, that means absolutely nothing. It's not right or wrong. I mean, if you love Santa... If you hate Santa, it's morally neutral, okay? Uh, so uh, it's, not, it's not a big deal, but for the sake of somebody else. So how would, I, how would I go about doing this in my life? Well, if I notice that there's something that's causing somebody else to stumble, I say, okay, Lord, what should I do with this situation? Show me how to live out my life. Do I need to stop this activity that may tempt a brother? And let God guide you in that so that you can build up the body of Christ. Um, well, let me say what that isn't. That isn't, well, I think you ought to do such and so, so do it. Don't make me stumble. Okay, that's not, 
that's a whole different matter. That's legalism. <laughs> when you start giving other people lists of rules and tell them they have to do them uh, because that's what you want them to do, uh, that's legalism. That's not what he's talking about. This is a voluntary decision on the part of a believer to adjust their lifestyle for the sake of another believer and for the sake of Christ. That's what he's talking about. So agree with one another. Uh, building Christ-like relationships, first of all, how do you do it? Agree with one another. Secondly, accept one another. Look at verse 7. Therefore, accept one another or receive one another just as the Messiah also accepted you to the glory of God. How did Jesus accept us? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that he accepts you that way? Aren't you glad that his mercies are new every morning? Um, we need to accept each other in the same way. Uh, love each other warts and all, as, as my preacher when I was growing up used to say. <laughs> I like that statement. All of us have things that rub other people the wrong way, don't we? Uh, one person used to say, every time I see that guy, I want to slap him silly. We, we have, sometimes people rub us the wrong way, don't they? Uh, and so, but we need to love them. And so that becomes a supernatural thing. And we say, God, would you give me a heart of love for this person? That's one of the amazing things about the body of Christ is people from all different kinds of backgrounds and socioeconomic levels and different races and all of these things can love each other and be part of one body. It's a supernatural thing. It's something that God accomplishes. And, and I really believe that God can grant us that ability. Um, I can think of people uh, who showed love to me when I was in the background. You know what I'm talking about? When, I mean, when you're a pastor, people, well, some people don't want to be, be, be around you, but, but church people usually do. But when you're a regular person in the church, and you're a young person especially, sometimes people overlook you. Um, and I can remember there was a lady uh, in, in our church in Illinois, her name was Ruth Otten. She was 80-some-odd years old. And Ruth, every time she saw me, she made a special attempt to come up and talk to me and show me respect and love. And uh, she went to be with Jesus. She's one of those ladies. She left her house to the church. <laughs> she, I mean, that's just the, what, the kind of person she was. But uh, just a consistent heart of love for people. I'm sure you, you know people like that who have loved you and accepted you and, and made you feel a part of the body of Christ. Uh, research tells us that a person who doesn't have at least three friendships in a church will usually end up moving on. That's a, that's a telling statistic. Um, people need to feel accepted. Now, it's not just accepting people for who they are. That's an important thing. But the word here is, can you be used to mean receive to yourself in order to help somebody. Um, the same word is used when Aquila and Priscilla took Apollos aside to show him the word of God and the gospel more clearly. Uh, they were pulling him aside, receiving him to themselves so that they could help him in his ministry. 
So acceptance isn't just accepting people for who they are. That is part of it. But it's also accepting people with a purpose. Um, what might God want me to do to minister to this other person? What might God want me to do uh, to be a positive influence, an encouragement, to build this other person up? Uh, you know, and having this attitude in my heart of, okay, God, what is my role in this person's life? Have you ever thought about that? As you interact with people, God may have a role for you to play, uh, a word to share, uh, a testimony to share, whatever it might be. And, uh, or sometimes it may just be a listener, just to be willing to sit and listen and talk to a person uh, who is discouraged. There might be the role of showing kindness to a person who is not open to the gospel. Um, people oftentimes remember an act of kindness years later, and it may open their heart to be receptive to talk to a Christian at a later time. Uh, the same thing is true in the body of Christ, this kindness. So uh, what is my role? So all of you have different gifts, okay? So chances are your role in that person's life will probably align with your gifts. Now, sometimes God may have you do something a little different uh, in a certain instance. But generally speaking, I think God gifts us a certain way so we can use those gifts in the body. So some of you, your role might be service for another person. And so uh, you, you hear, oh, this person has a need. They, they need help in this area of their life. And so you serve that person, uh, and that is your ministry. You sit, feel prompted of the Holy Spirit to minister to them. That's part of the idea here in accepting one another. It, it's not just to, re, to accept them as a person, but it's also to accept them with a purpose uh, of helping uh, however God might lead you. It might be, if you have the gift of encouragement or exhortation, it might be to share a word of encouragement. You, you're talking with a person and you sense they're discouraged and, and uh, God just kind of prompts you, hey, share this Bible verse or share this this uh, story that you read this past week that encouraged you, and you share that thing with that person, and it encourages them. And so this idea of accepting each other, accept them with a purpose. Uh, how can I minister to this person uh, today and fulfill the role that God has given me to fulfill? Every relationship is built upon mutual benefit uh, and... Um, that's the way relationships work, right? Uh, when you have a good friendship, uh, chances are you have some common interests, but you enjoy being together, right? There's a, I mean, if you don't like being with somebody, chances are you're not going to be a close friend to them. Uh, so there are some, some mutual benefits, but the best friendships that really end up contributing to your life are those friendships where you bring something to that other person. And uh, maybe it's encouragement, or maybe it's help, or maybe it's a listening ear, whatever it, whatever it might be, you are contributing in some way to the, to the help of that person. That's true in secular relationships. But it's also true, and especially true, uh, with people who are filled by the Spirit of God and led by the Spirit of God. So, <clears throat> uh, be open to be used in the lives of other people, and... When you come to church, don't come to church with just a mindset of, okay, 
boy, I need something. I've had a rough week. I mean, it's okay to think that way, but don't just think that way. Think in terms of, okay, God, who do I need to minister to, to today? Is, if there's somebody that needs a word of encouragement, if there's somebody who needs to be helped, God, would you show me how to contribute and build up the body of Christ today? Help my eyes to be open to those needs. Now, there may be, you may come to church, there may not be anything that God leads you to do for the sake of somebody else that day. But then there might be another day when, yes, there is something for you to do. So just be, have that mindset within you and building these Christ-like relationships as you take these opportunities. What you'll find is as you minister to other people, guess what? You're going to get blessed too. And those relationships grow stronger. Um, John Maxwell teaches about leadership, and one of the things he, he mentioned in leadership is that when you do good things for, for your people that you lead, you get change in your, in your money bank. Think of it like a piggy bank or something. Uh, ch- goodwill change. People have good feelings toward you. When you do something that's stupid, that, that ticks them off, you lose change. <laughs> you lose goodwill change. And, and when you lose enough goodwill change, you call U-Haul because you're gone. You know, it's, that's the way it works. And so uh, that's true uh, in, in leadership in, in, in the secular world and in the church as well to some degree. But uh, it's also true in relationships. Uh, Proverbs says to have a friend, you must show yourself friendly. And so uh, when you exercise your gifts and when you minister to others as God leads you, what you're going to find is you're showing yourself friendly, you're going to develop stronger relationships in the church. Um, you ever heard the statement, you get what you bring to it? Uh, I, I remember professors having that discussion with us in, in class. He said, now some of you are going to come in here and you're going to skip, you know, you're going to sit here and you're not going to listen and uh, you're going to just bide your time, you're going to leave. You're not going to do your homework, and you're not going to get much out of this course. Others of you are going to work hard, and you're going to put in the time of study, and you're going to benefit from this course. And, and you know, they would talk about this in terms of you get what you bring to it. And, uh, but the same thing is true of relationships. You get what you bring to it. And so as you invest your life in the lives of other people, uh, your relationships will strengthen, and you'll be blessed. Um, so, accept one another. Building Christ-like relationships, first of all, agree with one another. Secondly, accept one another. Thirdly, admonish one another. This one's not as much fun. Admonish one another. My translation says, uh, instruct one another. This is verse 14, but it really is a little stronger than that. It has the idea of warning, uh, admonishing somebody that is about to take the wrong path, maybe a path of sin, or maybe they're on the wrong path, and you give a word to help them get back in a right relationship with the Lord. Look at verse 14. My brothers, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. Filled by whom? By the Holy Spirit. And able to instruct or admonish one another confrontation to some people comes easy you may be one of those people that you confront and you don't even think about it you just it's just 
if you've got a type A personality, you may, be, you may have those tendencies just to confront people. Sometimes you may not think about it and you may hurt their feelings, but you confront, 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 and you just say what's on your mind. Other people struggle with that, right? Uh, it's hard to confront somebody, and there's fear and there's uh, anxiety involved in that. But see, this isn't just admonishing because you want to get something off your chest. This is admonishing somebody for their good. This is warning somebody. If you have kids, you love your kids, right? You warn them about some things. You warn them about drugs. You warn them. I, I remember having a discussion uh, with my kids. I've had this discussion multiple times with them, but about alcohol and saying, hey, you're, I don't make no apologizing for uh, using fear tactic, okay? I said, hey, your grandfather was an alcoholic and died of cirrhosis of the liver in his 40s. One drink is all it takes to hook you. Don't touch it. And over and over again. Why? Because I care about my kids. So I'm warning them to try to keep them from taking that wrong path. So sometimes admonishing may be a warning in advance, but other times it may be a warning when somebody is in the middle of something. Um, When you are going down the wrong path, I just thought of Herod. You remember Herod in the scripture? Herod kills James, puts Peter in prison, is going to kill Peter. Of course, God delivers him. He sends his angel and delivers him. And Herod is just living his life his own way, going his own path, going down a wicked path. Finally, he's standing one day giving a speech and somebody from the audience says, this is the voice of a God and not a man. And he just loved it. He just ate it up. God struck him dead for his pride. He had crossed God's deadline. He was on the wrong path. And there came a point at which God's judgment fell in his life. Sometimes you need to warn people. The Bible says... um, when you witness, there are some people you need to deal with gently, despising even the garments stained by the flesh. In other words, you, they're, they're uh, sensitive people, and you, you've got to work carefully with them and follow the Spirit's leading with them and not pressure them too much. But it says there are other people that you just need to snatch from the fire. They need rebuke. They need blunt. Tell them like it is. Hell is real. You know, there's a, there's a deadline that God gives us. You know, they need to hear the, the truth and they need to be stunned or shocked into recognizing their situation. They need to be warned. Well, Christians sometimes need to be warned. Uh, it's, I like to preach encouraging messages. You know, I, I kind of get a good feeling when I preach encouraging messages. Sometimes I don't like preaching confrontational messages. But I have to preach it. And one of the things I've noticed is when I talk about sin, I'll never forget, we had one lady left our church uh, because she forgave somebody in her former church. That's a good thing. I know you're not, you don't want people to leave your church, but if, if they leave your church because they get right with God, that is a good thing. And, and I, was pre- I was preaching on forgiveness. And she was holding a bitterness in her heart 
toward this woman in the last church that she was a part of. She had left the church over anger and bitterness at this woman. And God dealt with her heart and she, she, she wrote me a letter. I've had so much joy and peace in my life since I've forgiven this lady. Thank you for this. Now, some people don't thank you. They, they get mad and they, they may leave because they're mad at you. Because you've confronted them. And that's, you know, I, I hate that. But, but admonishing, you know, you admonish your kids even if they don't respond rightly to it sometimes, right? Why? Because you love them. Uh, there, there may be times uh, where, where you admonish and you appeal to your child. They may not listen. Matter, matter of fact, they may get upset with you. And they may even leave and go do their thing. But if you love them, you tell them. Why? Because you care about where they're headed in life. The same thing is true in the body of Christ. Now, you need to be careful about this. You have a tendency to be critical. You probably need to put the brakes on and do a whole lot of prayer before you ever fulfill this verse because chances are you'll do it in the wrong spirit and do it in the flesh. And you can do a lot of damage if you rebuke somebody in the wrong way. However, if your heart is, is good with the Lord... And you have come to God and you've brought this to the Lord and you said, okay, God, what am I to do? I've had times where there was somebody who needed to be rebuked. And I felt like God wanted me to rebuke. And I went to the person and I rebuked them. Sometimes with good results, sometimes with a, with a, with a result that I had hoped wouldn't happen. Uh, other times I felt like, no, Roger, you're not supposed to rebuke this person. One of those people, somebody else in the church rebuked them. I don't, God must have known that person. Either. I don't know exactly why. But, but listen to the Lord in that because God knows all of us are different, right? There are some people that you connect with and you identify with. This is the same thing is true in witnessing. God will use you to witness to somebody that I probably couldn't witness to very effectively. Why? Because you have a certain personality. Same thing is true with rebuke. Some, some of you, if you rebuke a person, they won't receive it well, but another person will. And so you need to take these things to God in prayer and ask God's leadership. Or it may just not be the time. There may be a time that God wants you to rebuke a person. So um, sometimes if you wait and you put on the brakes, God may work the situation out on his own, and the need may no longer be there for the rebuke. But God knows where every person is and how best to go about reaching them. But that being said, we shouldn't allow the fear of what might happen if we rebuke somebody to keep us from rebuking them. Love requires that we say what needs to be said when it needs to be said if God gives us the freedom to say it. So... When should you rebuke somebody? You should rebuke somebody if they're living in deliberate obedience, disobedience to God's word in a very clear way. Now, don't, don't major on the minors, okay? There's one fella 
uh, told my dad, he's a good friend of my dad, and he'd gone through a divorce, and he'd gotten married uh, to another lady, and their marriage had lasted a long time. My dad asked him, said, what did you do differently? He said, I learned not to sweat the small stuff. Simple, but very true. You know, the Bible says it's a glory to a man to overlook a fault. So if it's something minor, overlook it. But if it's something major, uh, there are weightier sins. It, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you strain at the gnat and you swallow the camel. It's the camel sins that we're talking about here. The things that destroy families and destroy lives and destroy churches. These things need to be addressed. Uh, so ask God to give you wisdom and, uh, and, and ask God for the freedom and peace to do it. Ask God to give you the right attitude. Ask God to help you rebuke with love. Have you ever rebuked somebody and you really enjoyed it? You probably didn't do it in the right spirit. I, you know, you're doing it in the flesh. Yeah, I've, I've been there, okay? I'll, I'll join you with that. There have been some times. I, no, pre- prepare yourself and ask God to give you a heart of love. Um, this is especially hard if somebody's been doing you wrong. And you've got an issue of a rebuke. Now, this most of the time, God will probably use somebody that's closer to that person to issue a rebuke. But if you're a pastor, no such luck. <laughs> okay? You've still got to preach to the whole congregation, even if some of them hate your guts. And so, uh, how do you do that? Well, one of the things I've done is I ask God, will you help me to preach this message with a heart of love? I can't do it without you. Help me to preach it with a heart of love. And so, uh, if you're, same thing applies to individual rebukes. Ask God to guide you as you rebuke a person. Um, people, people are uh, sometimes, everybody's different. Ask God to guide the conversation. Uh, a while back, uh, I, I had to talk with somebody about, about an issue and and I was very concerned about it. And because of some of the results I'd had from rebuking people in the past, I just asked, Lord, would you please just guide me in this conversation because um, I really am afraid. I feel like this person's fragile. Will you help me in this process? And, and he did. He guided me. And when it was over, I thought, Lord, wow. You really did help me with this. I really appreciate it. And so uh, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. Um, and then, and then, uh, then just take the plunge. Sometimes you got, once you've prayed about it, once you've thought about it and you've considered it, the wise man considers what he's going to say before he says it, uh, Scripture says. Uh, you've prayed about it. You, you have peace that God wants you to do it. Then you just need to do it. Sometimes that's the hardest thing, pulling the trigger, right? There's anxiety, there's fear. Sometimes you just got to take the plunge, pull the trigger. And if it happens in the right way, you may help that person get off the wrong path and get on the right path. And that's the goal of rebuke. Rebuke isn't to tell somebody to to chill them out or to, to, to give them what they deserve. No. Praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't do that with us. Rebuke is for the purpose of getting somebody off the wrong path and onto the right path. Um, so, 
admonish one another. Uh, so building Christ-like relationships. By the way, some of the best friends I've ever had are people who would tell me the truth. Sometimes I needed to hear it and it was unpleasant to hear it. But because they loved me, they told me the truth. If you've got a friend like that, thank God for them. So, building Christ-like relationships, how? Uh, agree with one another, accept one another, admonish one another, and finally pray for one another. Look at verse 30. I appeal to you, brothers, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit. Here again, you find this, the Holy Spirit is necessary to help you pray with fervency for somebody else. Did you know that? You can't work up fervent prayer. It's something God supplies through the power of his Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to join with me in fervent prayers to God on my behalf. And he's concerned. Now, we know from the book of Acts that he's, he's been told, you're going to be bound and imprisoned in Jerusalem. He says, well, I'm going. I'm willing to die for the sake of Christ. But he's thinking about it. He says, look, I want you to, to pray for me so that this gift will be received and so that I can come to you, Romans. Guess what happened? God answered this prayer. Apparently they responded and they prayed for Paul. God answered it probably not in the way Paul expected, but Paul is arrested and he eventually has to appeal to Caesar. You remember that? To Caesar you will go. And so they send him to Rome and they put him on house arrest in Rome and he's able to stay there in, in, his, in a home there in Rome and people are coming and going and he's having this great witnessing ministry and ministering to the church of God. God has answered this prayer. Uh, so <clears throat> pray for one another. Uh, if you want to build Christ-like relationships, what did Jesus do for his disciples? Prayed for them. You remember Peter? Ominous words. Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. I want to tell you something. The, the gates of hell can't prevail against the power of God. My power? Yeah, it can, it can prevent, prevail against my power. It can prevail against your power too. But it can't prevail against his power. That's why prayer is so important. Probably the most important thing you can do for somebody that is a friend or a church member is to pray for them. Lift them to the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to give you a burden uh, for the people in the church that need prayer. And then, as God gives you a burden, pray for them. Allow God to give you a detour in your quiet time. I have that happen from time to time. Sometimes I tell people about it and sometimes I don't. But some, from time to time, God will lay somebody in our church on my heart. And I'll just take some special time to intercede for that individual person. I pray for everybody every day as a whole. But sometimes God leads me to focus. So pray that, ask God to guide you in your prayer time in praying for others. Because it's such a powerful thing. Paul says, I want you to agonize together with me. That's kind of the sense of the word. Fervently pray with me. Agonize together with me. The Bible says we're to bear one another's burdens. You can't bear everybody's burden. 
Only Jesus Christ can do that. But as he empowers you, you can bear somebody's burden. And one of the ways you do that is through prayer. Um, everybody. The Bible says that, that uh, the troubles of a man's heart, you know, something along the lines of, of he bears this himself. And it is true. In some sense, nobody else knows exactly what you're feeling, right? Except Christ. But we can come alongside each other and through the filling and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, join together with somebody and agonize together with that person in prayer. By the way, sometimes being transparent is important in church because God may use your willingness to share to let somebody else know that you need prayer. Uh, a lot of times we go around, we, we hold everything close to our vest, and we don't share what we're going through. And, and the Holy Spirit can definitely put you on somebody's heart, but it might be good to, to share with a few people that you trust so that they can take you to the throne of God in prayer. So ask God. One great thing to ask God, say, Lord, I'm struggling. I need help. Lord, would you put it on somebody's heart to pray for me? And then when that, that help comes, say, God, would you use me to help lift that burden of that other Christian? Um, one of the things in my family, we text prayer requests. You know. Phone, Texting, what did, we do, what did we do before we had the ability to text? Uh, I don't know, but, but it is so convenient. You know, you're sitting there, and you're, you're boom, 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 boom. You send a text, need prayer, play, pray please, you know. And, uh, and you lift it up in prayer. Uh, Sherry sent me one, and she usually sends it to all of us. And so uh, I get it, David gets it, Megan gets it. And vice versa. Well, David will sometimes send them to us, and Megan sometimes. And so uh, we'll pray. You know, we'll take a few moments and pray. Well, this time, Sherry sent me several specific things. I'm dealing with this, this, and this. Would you please pray? And, and so I prayed for her, and I texted her back that I'd prayed for her. Uh, David did the same. Megan did the same. She came home that night, and she said, uh, you know, God answered every one of those prayer requests today. <laughs> What a powerful thing. Uh, Christ-like relationships. Prayer needs to be at the heart of these relationships. Um, so, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in that. <laughs> I will say this. Adrian Rogers uh, one time was sharing in a message, and he said, some of you come to me and say, will you pray for me every day? He said, yeah, right. You know, of course, he had, well, I don't know how many thousands of people in his church. Everybody requesting him to pray every day. He'd be spending 24 hours a day in prayer, you know, <laughs> and he still wouldn't get to everybody. And so he said, no, you cannot, nobody can bear the prayer burdens of everybody else every day. You can't do it. Now, you can set aside some specific things and some specific people to pray for. Let God lead you in that. Maybe there's a teenager you need to adopt in prayer. Maybe there's a senior citizen who's going through a hard time that you need to lift up in prayer. Uh, maybe there's somebody in your Sunday school class that God has laid upon your heart and you just 
well, I need to put this person on my prayer list and pray consistently for this person. You can't do that for everybody, but let God lead you to pray for certain people. Um, Johnny Hunt was sharing one time in a message that he preached. He was walking through the airport and he saw Henry Blackaby, the guy that wrote Experiencing God. He's here, Henry Blackaby in the airport and, and they, they began to talk and Henry Blackaby said, how's the guy doing that God has put on my heart to pray for daily? How'd you like Henry Blackaby to pray for you every day? I think that'd be a pretty good deal. Uh, but God had just laid Johnny Hunt on Henry's heart. And so he began to pray. I've got a list of, of other pastors that God has laid on my heart to pray for. I have certain church members that I have put on my list. Some of you have asked me to do that. Uh, others I've, I've put on my list uh, because I felt led to. That I, I pray for regularly as God leads. And um, why? Because God uses that. So allow God to, to do that and to direct you in that. But make sure that you pray for one another. Um, that is part of building Christ-like relationships. So I'll tell you one more thing. Uh, Jim Cimbala in one of his books said, uh, whenever somebody asks me to pray for them, I, I offer to pray for them right there. And if they say no, I pray for them silently right there. <laughs> because uh, what do we do? We forget, don't we? And so, uh, if somebody brings a prayer request, and you're able to, just stop right there and say, uh, let's just take this to the Lord right now. Now, you may pull out your, your notepad and write it down, or if you've got a phone, I've been doing that with my phone some, uh, write a person's name down on your phone uh, so that you can remember it. But praying for them right there, there's a powerful thing, too, when somebody hears you praying for them. It just ministers to them, encourages them. And so uh, put that in your, in your repertoire as well. So praying for one another. Building Christ-like relationships. How do you do it? Agree with one another, accept one another, admonish one another, and pray for one another. And as you do this, under the direction and in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, God will use you to bless other people, and you'll have stronger relationships, and relationships that exalt the Lord more. Thank you. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word.